Cool. So, Dave, um, Uber switched databases and all the database fanboys uh, erupted in slagging each other off. <laughs> yeah, they did indeed. Just it was a good write-up by the Uber tech guys about their migration to to MySQL or MySQL from Postgres. And what was even better from um, my point of view was actually reading the response on the mailing list. And basically they put it up and they kind of said, you know, read this. And um, basically it was people just going in more depth and explaining why these things are happening in concrete terms or explaining that, um, you know, yeah, you know, DB database engine does handle this particular thing better as long as you don't do X, Y, Z, you know, and um, some other person pointing out that what actually um, X and Y have actually been fixed since and, you know, stuff like that. And um, good few people just saying that it was a good um, kind of a assessment of a lot of the issues that they'd been kind of dancing around trying to fix for a while. You know, um, it seems again to be a very specific to um, the the layout of the the Uber database, and it's still, um, you know, it's something you could come across, but it's, you know, it's something when you're up there with the the huge, big big data. Like, I also think it's interesting to contrast this with some of the NoSQL crowd, who yeah. seem to be very sort of almost cultish in terms of their promotion of their way of doing things. That, uh, yeah, the Postgres guys seem sort of fairly sober. Um, and kind of interesting, interested in genuinely improving their product and not glossing over any shortcomings. Where where would a hipster JavaScript Pokemon trainer store his Pokemon? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about the back end, actually, of Pokemon Go, but, like, uh, Mongo is, is the... The cool thing, yeah, right? Pokemon Go, DB. Ah! Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Dave makes a database oh, joke. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 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 I hope you stole that, Dave. No, sadly. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> I think that's an original. Brilliant. Pokemon oh. Go, DB. <laughs> Yeah, but it it does illustrate the fact that these are kind of real issues and that a lot of the, the, the kind of the issues in the NoSQL databases have been so fundamentally problematic that they don't even get to this stage, you know? Um, it's just like, oh, where are all my things deleting themselves for no reason, you know? Um, and I've had that issue. You've had that issue? I Yeah, I'm not going to name names or anything, but I was on a project once and things just records just kept disappearing in a NoSQL database and I've I've no idea I just I just ran out of the place oh dear yeah what's Dave what's your go-to sort of relational database for a product project are you a MySQL or a Postgre guy a lot of the time it depends on who's going to be who I'm going to be working with or whatever I use um I would have been more Postgres or Postgres or whatever but I'm more MySQL these days, I think. I think I was always MySQL, but that whole MariaDB thing, the fork with the open source, kind of would make me, I haven't done any kind of web database stuff in a while, but it kind of tempted me to 
go to p- Postgres just I, it sounds stupid but just like when a project is forked and you're kind of looking for you know what's the best way of doing things or I have this problem and you kind of you know you're trying to search both project names like that that's would slightly make me shy away from MySQL yeah and I think there's there's certain use cases for which you can you can decide on the database like there's um the postgis or however you say that the geographical oh the gis stuff yeah uh geographic objects for for postgres um is very very handy you know and it's um something that uh, is well documented and it's fairly fairly easy to use in comparison to some of the other solutions now saying that mongodb also does some similar kind of stuff and it's a lot easier to understand but you know it, it depends kind of on what your what your overall um use case is it's also impressive that is a boring answer <laughs> it's also impressive though that like either mysql or postgres is viable for a company like uber which like you know they're so big and there's so much data that like it just goes to show a boring old rd bms solution you know i mean both solutions have been around for a very long time um and still do somewhat scale to that um you know you would have expected that, that scale you'd have to go with something like oracle to really scale but it just shows how, how impressive the open source tools are yeah um just the murmuring i've heard is that um a lot of the the companies it's purely um support driven for oracle right and it's just that it's just that you can pay oracle lots of money and they do stuff for you and that that's one of the main selling features as opposed to anything else so speaking of uber what's going on in china so so we have okay dd chuxing who i think could be related to donkey kong and <laughs> basically they're a ride sharing taxi app or whatever in china they're after buying uber china just uber china but all of uber in china so the brand the data and everything for one billion dollars for one billion dollars i think they're they haven't bought them they've invested in them and they're managing uber in china is there a difference there i read that they bought them uh they're talking about merging okay they're merging okay just hearing different things i guess yeah they will buy Uber's, this part of the deal, DD will buy Uber's brand business and data in the country, according to a report from Bloomberg, in exchange for a 20% stake in the combined company for Uber and its shareholders. Okay. So is it, is it conspiracy theory time? <laughs> yeah, most so, definitely. <laughs> so. so, Thomas, you pointed out that... So back in May, Tim Cook went over to China and, you know, glad handled various politicians and announced that Apple were going to invest a sum of $1 billion in Didi Chukching. So essentially this money is heading all the way back to California, uh, from California. Chiching, yeah, is it called Chiching on purpose? Oh, I don't know. Sounds fast anyway. Anyway, so why did these two things happen in close uh, proximity? Like, Apple's investment in this ride-sharing service did feel like a political investment at the time. Um, So I wonder how much of this was known 
by Didi, how much of it was known by the Chinese government, and how much of it was known by Apple themselves when they made the investment. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah, and also, Didi have invested a hundred million in Lyft back in the states, who are a competitor to Uber. Ooh. So they have an they have. I suppose a huge investment in Uber, and they also have a small investment in Uber's rival company. Yeah, so my my grand conspiracy theory is Apple self driving car. Anyway, that's the answer. Um, so they're not. They're, are they going to sell it to? They're going to distribute it through Uber rather than sell it to the customer, maybe. Possibly. Okay. Like the way, like most of the buses around town are Mercedes Benz. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's because, you know, we're... I'd be like, I want to get on the Apple bus. <laughs> but to get an app... Have you guys ever taken an Uber? Baz, you were in the States recently. No, no. Uh, definitely had the apps all set up just in case. But uh, no, I've never taken an Uber. Um, I believe you can take it up in Dublin, but I'm so ingrained in using Halo now because it works in Limerick that uh, I, I wouldn't even think of getting an Uber. Actually... I was going to say I've never taken one, but I have in London. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like the app. Re- regular. Uh, I was a bit drunk at the time, so I can't remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a yeah. bit odd, I think, because they have to, suppose they have to do certain things, don't they? Like they can offer you water and sweets and do all kinds of things, have video games set up for you to play. And it's a different experience. I have to say, part of me doesn't get this uh, whole Uber, Lyft stuff just because I don't like taking taxis. Like, I don't like other people driving me around. It's because you're unsociable. You don't like talking to people. Yeah. So why is this taken off in the valley? Because presumably there are lots of autistic people like me who don't like... I From, from being in the States before, um, getting a taxi was a pain, an, an absolute pain. And I noticed a lot of people were drink driving over there right. um so much that like we were out in halloween this was a good few years ago and ordering a taxi we waited an hour for it to get a cab so i think having i think the good thing about uber is that thomas if you're an uber driver you can be at home and why do why why am i the uber driver i can't date yeah, be the you uber love driver. politics you know and you could probably start talking about politics here <laughs> Your, your your customers. But I believe, I guess it's the thing that if you were in an area, say excluded enough area, and, you know, or any of us were Uber drivers, that the more Uber drivers that there are, you know, it's kind of seen as a part-time thing, that if someone in your neighborhood or something wanted a cab, it would get someone in proximity to them. And I think that's what really helps is, you know, someone's might be, you have a better chance of some, an Uber driver being in proximity to you because they might just be at home watching TV. Because they've done their day job and now they have a nighttime job, you know. That's kind of that's kind of my problem as well. Because now, not with with Uber specifically, but with Halo. Yeah. Like, and I know, so Uber they don't have to be licensed taxis. Is that correct, or do they in Ireland? Ooh, good mm. point. Don't know. But, but anyway, in Halo in the they States, have to be don't. proper proper taxis, um, licensed, regulated, medallions, all that lovely stuff, um, or whatever they're called. And <laughs> I always, um. There's this one guy that lives near me and drives for for Halo, and I always I get someone the the taxi or whatever. I'm like, pick me up, and it's like, oh, he's three minutes away, and I'm like, excellent, and like I I can see him like, and he's, he's like obviously in his house, yeah, um, and he's uh, you get a phone call and 
you know, it's kind of like, hey. And it's like, yeah. And, uh, you know, then he's like, um, yeah, about five minutes. And he's like, I don't know, is he having like a shower or something before he comes to pick me up? Because it's never, it's never the three minutes or the five minutes. And he's yeah. like, you'd nearly walk down to him quicker than, than he'd pick you up. It's like, you know. I, I used to notice that actually in, in UL, it would always be the same person and they would take longer because I was like, they're definitely in their house, but it'd be a different guy that would turn up each time. <laughs> but using the hmm. same taxi p- plates and everything, you know. <laughs> So maybe there was just, you know, a lot of people kind of using the same thing in the house. <laughs> Halo, you never hear about Halo in the tech press, but I'm like, I was super impressed with their app and their their tech. Like, like it always seems to. They're not controversial enough. Like, I mean, the only thing I hear about Uber is them shitting on their drivers. Like, that's the only thing literally are fighting with authorities. Like, I never hear anything positive about Uber. Yeah. And you only ever hear reports from Oh no, I suppose you hear about them in France and stuff. There was a lot of protests recently, wasn't there? Yeah. And the interesting thing about Uber is a lot of their costs are on customer service. Like that's who they employ here in Limerick are customer service people. Whereas Mm -hmm. with Halo's business model, like specific, because they're operating within a regulated framework, they don't have to deal with any of that. Like they, they, they can have their ratings, but you know, if you complained about a taxi then you go to the taxi authority i still think they have a framework for that though if you don't rate a taxi i've heard of people who haven't who've rated a trip bad and then they've gotten a phone call from halo oh really yeah to say what was what was up like you know when they drop drivers if they don't get ratings and stuff like that and i know that they had uh as far as i know this is this is how far back it is they had a partnership with o2 to help get the driver set up so that they could go into O2 shops as far as I know. Right. And if, if they had any tech problems or something like that, I, that's that's ages, ages ago before there were three. So that's probably probably long gone now. So Halo were also merging with my taxi. Um, not sure if we talked about that last week. No, I don't think so. It, are my taxi also based in the US? Uh, German as far as I know. And, and Halo are American, right? Um, question. I was just assumed they were, but British, British. Okay. I'm getting German. And my taxi is actually owned by Daimler, which I think, if you go all the way up the chain, is actually Mercedes. Yeah, Daimler Benz. Yeah. So they own sixty percent, and Halo alone forty, and they'll both operate now under the the my taxi brand. It says we'll operate in over 50 cities across nine countries in Europe. So are Halo even in America? No, they're not. And I mean, there's articles about like when Uber leaves a state. And so if Uber leaves a state and like like Austin, I think, or sorry, Austin, even Texas, whatever it was, um, there's a plethora of different companies, all startup taxi companies that then vie for the, you know, competition that's out there. They go for all the customers. So like, there's tons and tons of smaller ride sharing or, you know, these um, Uber-like companies out there. So I just think Halo tried maybe to go over there and just couldn't, you know, compete. But yeah, there's there's tons and tons of competition over there, but there's very little here. Yeah. Um, it's worth noting, I don't know if you guys know, but do you know about Limerick's very own taxi app? Uh, Swifty? 
Swifty Taxi or Speedy Taxi or Speedy whatever taxi, it's called. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a Limerick one, is it? Is that just for the 414141 guys? Yeah. Which is a very Limerick number. Did one of you write it? <laughs> nope. Dave, are you going to confess? It was bought in, as far as I know. And do you use it at all? So I, I think it, I think it just, um, it just fits into what, whatever, um, I don't know, taxi management solution. <laughs> there, must, there must be a name for that, um, you know, either CRM or something like that. Um, and basically, I've I've used it once or twice. I've been with people who've used it once or twice, and pretty good and it has the um it's look it's nowhere near as as amazing as hail or anything and you know it's a lot clunkier in terms of actually um using it and you know it, it's but it actually it is the you know the swifty taxis and it says, I'm just looking up here, powered by iCabby. So it's iCabby is obviously the the thing that you can that you can buy in and, and customize. It'd be good to do um a price comparison of it, I guess. You know. Yeah, I've I've found some of the some of my Halo trips have been very expensive. Yeah, I noticed a bit of a difference in times in them, and um, you know, the Swifty cabs, uh, as they're called, they're fixed price cabs. So you're always guaranteed that from A to B. It's always going to be 10 euro, no matter what. But I guess with the Halo one, it's always, you know, it can be based on time and stuff like this. You're just metered, yeah. Yeah, you're just metered. Do you guys think this is the case of, like, because Uber and Lyft sort of getting the majority of coverage in the tech press, but they both recommend, represent pretty much a similar vision of how, um, I guess, ride-sharing or taxi services could work. Whereas here in Europe, we've got, a number of different sort of models that you know like so you guys are mentioning you know like fixed price trips and uh, halo which works within the regulatory model like does that make you question all the um all, all the hype about uber in particular i suppose it's one of these things you'd have to experience because like i have no idea how like i know there's things with uber like surge pricing and stuff when when a lot of people hail at call for an Uber, the price spikes to, you know, to, to quell the demand and stuff. And I like that, you know, Halo can't do that or any of these other systems. You know, they're they're regulated. I get I get into the car and there's a, a legal ID on the dash of who the driver is. Um, I'm sure, look, it could be that way with, with Uber in Dublin and stuff like that. But I just think that a lot of these ride sharing in particular like you're just i'm going here anyone want to to come along um you know is it just hitchhiking (laughs) i must be slightly less drunk i must plan to be slightly less drunk whenever i'm visiting my sister and taking my next uber but i do remember in london uh the uber we took it didn't have a it wasn't a, a licensed cab but it also wasn't a hackney either because hackneys um have a London Transport sort of logo sticker on them. So it was definitely a private, private car. I had a long conversation with the driver about about Uber. I just can't remember it. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'd say if when, when I was the same one, like when Halo 
came up i'd say every conversation with someone who hailed them through halo for the first like few months was just like yeah halo yeah it's great yeah and uh, do this yeah and getting the full <laughs> the full rundown of it because um you know one fellow was telling me that he had the app for ages like and it's on you know he's it, it picked up very slowly like he'd have it on he'd only get like one call a night or whatever through it and just as it was as it was ramping up like it was interesting to to kind of hear about um you know the as i took them and and was you know trying to come up with something to talk about um which i'm sure they were delighted about um, (laughs) just to see to see the the actual popularity of it grow yeah i don't know i guess i don't know many people that don't use the app now getting cabs around the place it's just great if you don't really know where you are yeah yeah but then, yeah, there's always that issue of the taxi drivers don't know certain areas as well, and they end up in the wrong place. And it's like, isn't don't I send you a map of my location? But then sometimes people really, really do mess up sending their location. They just drag around to a place in the map and then hit pick me up, I think, sometimes. So you get drivers yeah. like ring you, and I'm like, uh, you get into the cab, I'm like, oh, I just rang you just to verify where you were because people are idiots. <laughs> yeah and there's a few really narrow streets in town as well and they're you know they're like i i couldn't tell which side of the street you're on you know that oh okay. that kind yeah. of thing but um they yeah. usually get it right oh th- this sort of prompts me to have another kvetch about our whole stupid postcode situation go on <sighs> you know like in most normal countries like who have some sort of either zip code or postcode where there's a number of either digits or letters and normally the first part of the postcode will allow you to pinpoint somebody's location to a certain accuracy and the second bit is often random. So the way we chose postcodes in this country, which clearly nobody's using anyway, so who cares, but the um, the, the routing code for the for Limerick is V94. So the three of us who live, I'd say, four kilometers from each other, three or four, four, at least. As the crow flies anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We share the same uh, routing code. Baz, if you decided to retire in the country uh, 20 kilometers away, you'd still have the same routing code. And the second bit, so you have the routing code and then a, a three character sort of unique bit that's completely random and you can only look it up using a pr- proprietary da- database that you have to pay a private oh, company you can only for. use five times a day or something yeah because it's owned by a private company it's completely ridiculous and useless whereas in in other countries you can give like the first few digits of your zip code which at least allowed some sort of triangulation of your location not possible here it's really annoying and like apart from just you know let's say the absolute complete another ridiculous government tendering process or whatever actually went out to to get this done are there any redeeming features at all or is there any like what can we put ourselves at the mind of the designers of this system and dublin 4 is still dublin 4 which is important to some people. People who own houses in Dublin yeah, 4. Yeah, DO4. Because <laughs> <laughs> we got V94, which is like Limerick, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
like we're in the feckin' Hunger Games or something. Division 6. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Look, lads, people got paid a lot, a lot of money, you know? It's the best thing about it. Air, air codes are short, maybe? I don't know. Do you know your air code? Only because I looked it up right now. But thing, if you think about postcodes, right? Like um, zips in particular, like we all know 90210. <laughs> yep. Or whatever in America. That's not uniquely identifiable, first of all. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm sure loads of people, it, it's about the equivalent of Dublin 4, you know? It's it's probably the equivalent of the, the V94 or whatever in terms of of size or something like that. I'm sure there's some metric for how they divide them up or something. You don't have the specifics. So air code is specific to your actual door. So <clears throat> technically, I could give you um, these seven letters and it would get to you. Yeah, I guess it's the private uh, company owning the data that it's not an open yeah. system i guess the one thing is is that like it's impossible unless you pay like i guess it's a it's a bit better for privacy in that you can't do kind of postcode targeting so an insurance company couldn't necessarily charge you dave more money than baz for your car insurance just based on the well i guess you could if you're saying dave lives in a rougher area than me Wow. <laughs> maybe <I> say, yeah <laughs> but i guess they could then if they had the exact i guess there's no automatic correspondence between their code and an exact geographical but don't they, location don't, but they they do do that anyway don't they yeah but i, I guess it's a lookup table so there's nothing inherent to the postcode that sort of pinpoints your area which i guess is a it's mostly a minus but i'm trying to think of a plus based on privacy concerns I should say, Dave, you know, the five digit zip code in the States, they have an extension to, um, like, I think it's another four digits. I can't remember what they call it, like zip two or something, which actually identifies individual addresses. Okay. Like, say, for example, the, um, do you remember that blog post did about uh, the town in Ireland with the most pubs per person? Like, you'd think if I had postcodes, that would have been really easy. But no, it would have been equally as hard because... um, Well, with air codes, anyway. Yeah, like, even if I had air codes for everybody, even if I had air codes and a license to use the air code database, it wouldn't really have been any more helpful in terms of trying to geographically cluster addresses. Mm. Whereas a more logical system would have... I guess, you know, certainly would treat a, a village as one routing code, like the first part of it. All we need is Google to pay for access to the database and we're sorted, though. Yeah, then nobody will care. Exactly. Like, if this just, if just, if you can just type it into Google Maps and see what happens, that'll do me. In fact, I'm just going to do that right now and see what actually happens. Okay, ooh, I have 14 left queries left today. So Google Maps does not make any reckoning on um, on my postcode anyway. They would have to pay this company to get that information then. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, but you're dropping the ocean and all that. Make sure you're <laughs> try adding a city, state, or zip code. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just type in Ireland and it. No. David Sims, comma, Ireland. <laughs> yeah, that should get there. Right? <laughs> should, should work, yeah. It's only about eight of us. I'm installing um, iOS beta 4 at the moment. Dave, when are you going to ins- go beta? Come master. <laughs> Never. Really? You're going to wait till September? Yeah, I just don't care. I, it's like whatever. Ah, oh, Dave, that sounds very sad. I'm just jaded. I'm so jaded Please. by stickers, technology. Stickers, Dave, stickers. I'm so jaded by technology. Buzz, the beaters are pretty stable, I read. Like, have you... Like, um, I know you installed, like, the first beta really early, and I thought you were mad, but it... Yeah. It's, it's, it it's, sounds like it's pretty it's pretty uh, stable. Yeah. And I'll get you guys to do tests and stuff like that, because when you guys send me a push notification and I open it, you know, without going into the messaging conversation, it loads really, really slow, so I want to see if it's quicker on this version. Oh, okay. Well, speaking of betas, what about Swift? Yeah, what about it? Do any of us know enough about it? <laughs> I know a tiny bit. Okay. So, um, originally Swift 3 was due to drop with um, macOS Sierra and iOS 10, which is the, it is still doing. But in order to hit the release date with the new OSs, they've had to... Some of their um, milestones have slipped. So some of the features that we were hoping that would be in Swift 3.0 won't be. Um, And one of the big things is ABI stability. So they still don't have that cracked. Um, So basically, I guess apps will have to ship with the Swift runtime for a little while longer until at least Swift 4. they also seem to, uh, like there still will be some source, quite a few source breaking changes in the future. So uh, they've come a long way, but uh, definitely the developing Swift in the open has resulted in a slower than expected um, pace. Is this making a difference for you guys at all? It is for me. Um, I... Uh, on Saturday morning, I spent an hour going through um, the Swift Evolution email list. Um, you know, just reading over the past month what what the kind of chatter is. And actually, I found a really nice um, Mac app to browse the mailing list. So this guy wrote a Mac app in Swift called Hirundo. I'll put a link in the show notes. So just made it way easier to uh, flick through the the discussion. So, like, in some ways, the development of Swift is really good. They're really thoughtful. They're really organized. They are um, really open to suggestions from anyone. But because of all those things, they're just really slow with stuff. And it, it still feels like they're they're still sorting out some quite fundamental things about the language. So um, one thing is concurrency that they're talking about Swift 4.0 uh, will be high on the list. Um, and, you know, to be in version 4 of, an langri- of a language before you start thinking about concurrency, I think 
I don't know, like, you know, languages like Go had it baked in much earlier. Um, basically yeah, what I'm then s- languages like everything else don't, really. Yeah, you know? true. <laughs> it's but certainly, it, it, is it going to affect you, though, in your development? I, 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 I'm tempted to hold off. I, I thought I was going to start uh, Swift, learning Swift from version 3.0, and I'm thinking I might hold off a little while longer. When is the what's the roadmap for Swift Four? Then is there are you uh, looking ahead saying anytime? Oh, like, yeah, there'll be a point release for Swift Three in spring 2017, and they're hoping for Swift Four in in autumn 2017. So another year from now, you're going to start learning Swift. Yeah, but because here's here's the thing, like for me. I don't know if it's laziness or whatever, but <laughs> I kind of want the right to know the right way of doing things. Like one of the things I think that made the learning curve with Objective C so big, or, or Objective C plus Cocos so steep, was that the combination of Objective C and Coco resulted in a really opinionated way of doing things. Like there was kind of good way of doing things, often multiple ways of doing things, but. Um, it was an opinionated way. And I, I texted you guys a, a comment on the Swift subreddit. Um, and this guy was saying that in his company they use Swift, but everybody basically writes Swift in the style of the language they were coming from. So he coined the, the, the term Swarva for uh, <laughs> ja- the way Java developers write Swift. And kind of... I guess I'm just not a good enough developer to sort of hack, you know, get through that. I just want to be sort of, I want to jump into Swift and there's some semblance of accepted best practice. So I don't have to kind of think of that myself. Yeah, I can understand it. Reminds me of the old saying, um, a real programmer can write Fortran in any language. (laughs) (laughs) And I I, I guess, you know, I guess if you had small apps that you're putting out there, you know, once-off apps, apps you're just messing around with, it'd be fair enough to just kind of write them now, I think, you know? Apps that don't, I guess, have a shelf life to them or, you know, they're simple apps or something like that. But I guess for you, you're going to have an app that could be here for another 10 years, 20 years. Um, So I suppose you want to... 100-year app. But it's more than that, Baz. It's just like kind of the way I like to develop. Like, I... I've little patience for sort of, oh, you could do it this way or I could do it that way or search the docs and it's kind of like you find a post from a year ago and it recommends something that's kind of deprecated in the language. Like, I, I just want them to kind of g- get through some some more sort of development and evolution and, and I want to jump in I, i'm not a good enough developer to sort of or i'm no i definitely no interest in this sort of process of discovery of what should be the best swift way i, I want people brighter than i am to figure it out and then i, I can just copy them <laughs> fair enough yeah yeah i like that um hirundo app or browsing the the mailing list actually it's really really nice yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Uh, it's a guy called Benedict Hector. He's based in Germany, I think. Uh, reminds me of an old NNTP client. Yeah. But but a really nice modern one. Ooh, speaking of which, uh, did I see the thing about gmain.org? Nope. Shutting down? Never heard of it. So gmain.org 
was an aggregator of open source mailing lists and offered a web interface and a um, an NNTP interface as well um, to kind of open source development mailing lists because it does seem, despite sort of GitHub and everything else, the majority of sort of older, more important uh, open source projects develop. The discussion happens over mailing lists, and I guess it's a very long-established um, mechanism. The web UIs for these mailing lists tend to be terrible. Um, like, Dave, have you tried looking through the Swift Evolution mailing list just using the web interface? Yeah. Like, it's a bit painful, right? You're kind of a lot of clicking. Yeah, it's the usual, the usual old mailing list or NTP archive, like where you get the text and then at the bottom you get the, the a link to the one it was replying to and a link to the ones that replied to it. You know, you don't you don't actually see it as a, a list of nested comments or anything like that. Anyway, so gmain.org was an attempt to sort of organize all these mailing lists and it's basically run by one guy and He's kind of announced that he's done uh, or soon to be done with it. And uh, yeah, it's just interesting, like how useful it was to a whole lot of people. And this guy is kind of saying, you know, stick a fork in me, I'm done. Hmm. Was he doing it all for free? Yeah. Would he release anything that he had used or just going to shut everything down? Yeah, he said he'll kind of send a dump to someone. But uh, yeah, he might live on. You never know. Yeah. Fragmented hopefully. by a thousand different developers. <laughs> yeah. H main. I main. J main. So could you guys live with your smartphone as your only computer? So we're talking about a personal home computer rather than a work machine, a programming machine, or an all-in-one machine? Oh, you're just complicating Everything. things now, Baz. Yeah, I know. Okay, so... <laughs> So where are you coming from here? Tell us about the Kickstarter thing yeah. that you you posted. Me? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess basically this Kickstarter is for about $100, which is quite cheap. You're buying a, uh, a dummy laptop, I guess. It's a laptop with a screen. Um, it looks like a MacBook, I guess. It's got a lovely big trackpad on it. But the idea is that you plug your phone into it. It's got no processing inside in it or it's got no cpu and gpu in it it might have some small components in it but basically your the computer the hardware is all your phone so you hook your phone up to it with a cable usb cable um android phones i guess only and uh it just starts working like a desktop machine i guess uh like your normal laptop but it's using android as the os so you can start using it for word powerpoint games Music, everything, uh, browsing the internet. But the idea is that every time you get a new phone, you keep the laptop shell. You don't have to upgrade your laptop ever, ever again. And every time you get a new phone, you get a more powerful laptop. I think it's kind of cool. I think it's really cool, actually. Um, I think it's going to be really crap because it's a hundred uh, dollars. So it's a hundred dollars. You get an almost twelve-inch screen, keyboard. It's a shell, I guess, basically. But um. I can't imagine it being that good, but I love, love the idea of it. And I would love to be able to, I guess, even on traveling or something like that, to bring this with me, you know, quite a small laptop. And if it gets stolen, 
what's the harm? It's a hundred quid, you know. You're probably going to have your phone on you most of the time. If your laptop gets stolen, you leave it down or anything like that. And I, I love the idea of that. And uh, you can just plug your phone in and work away. It's pretty cool. What do you guys think? Price point is nice. Or what, they're they're aiming for the $99. Yeah, I'm a bit sceptical of that, though. But, um, I mean, I guess, you know, there was those 50 euro Amazon uh, or Google ta- tablets that were out last year. Um, that were like, yeah. And then they were like, you know, weren't high quality or anything, but... This looks yeah, cool. something I noticed as well, um, just browsing Amazon that I, I just wasn't I, I wasn't aware of their existence. USB monitors. OK. And they, they have no input other than USB. You plug them in, they show up as an external display or device or whatever. And you, you know, that's it. USB three monitor, essentially. Um, and they're about 100 pounds Okay, and are they good quality, do you know, or anything? Are reviews any good? Uh, decent, is is what the reviews are saying. 1080p, you know, not, okay, yeah. not setting the world on fire, like, but... They might be great as um, demo screens at, like, uh, conferences or something, just having them on a table, have your phone or iPad hooked up yeah. to them. Well, PC only at the moment, but yeah. Not iPad, okay. I think it's going to be interesting when USB-C hits because it natively offers display port pass through because presumably like if you're sending video over usb3 like you're essentially you're compressing it like you're mm-hmm. sending a h264 stream over oh okay well usb-c is out in the wild at the moment for a while i have a usb-c cable but not to plug it into uh-huh. Oh, lousy. <laughs> Suppose the the new the new MacBooks are USB C and the uh one Dave, no, you you do have something to plug your USB. Oh my, my Apple TV. Yes. <laughs> Develop the new app for three people who are still uh in possession of working Apple TV for it up and have to do a reset. But yeah, I I think the idea is pretty cool. Um did you guys look at it, Thomas? Did you look at it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think it's interesting to contrast with the Windows Continuum thing that launched was it earlier this year, last year. Uh, Microsoft announced it at their event. Like, this seems to me to be something that's OS limited rather than, let's say, hardware limited. Like, you know... Certainly an iPhone made any time over the last two or three years has more than enough horsepower to drive a 1080p display. Um, but it's can the uh, can the OS deliver in, in sort of a good desktop experience? Yeah, I believe the Microsoft one was a bit uh, underwhelming, a bit slow, a bit sluggish. And I think that this kind of kickstarter thing, I think it's an awesome idea, but I think uh, it's the software that will prove yeah, its I, downfall. You're going to want to have, I guess, a top of the range Android phone to really get to see anything good out of this. But it's great, though. I love these kind of things. It's like the VR talks we've had before where, you know, get an early version of this thing out uh the next version of the they'll come out within a year's time will be even better. The specs are probably going to be better. They might even throw a little processing unit in. I'm not too sure if this has any processing in it to speed it up or anything, but um, I imagine, you know, for 100 quid, 
they've already got 1.3 million on Kickstarter. Um, that is going to drive, you know, investment or hopefully anyway, uh, R&D into a new version of this uh, shell of a laptop, the Superbook, I guess they're calling it. Um, so I'm all for it. If I, geez, if I had an Android phone, if I was an Android user, I probably would back it just because it's so cheap. I think it's also an indication. There's an article in The Atlantic recently um, talking about the Kickstarter economy, saying that in the last four years, three million people have pledged over $400 million to 35,000 successful projects, which I thought, like, whoa. They're like, this is innovation that Kickstarter have enabled, you know, that kind of, uh, and coupled with sort of leaps in manufacturing technology, uh, I guess, in China, you know, it's just great that, like, if one of the big tech companies don't come out with something like this, that, like, some entrepreneurs can yeah, it's the first time in a while now I felt jealous for Android users. <laughs> Are you getting on with your OnePlus 2 Plus Plus Nah, there's no, point in, there's no point in asking about that. That's there for, I'll be testing, you know, with it. So no no more no more feedback since? No. Okay. It will be used. It will definitely be used a lot more, but currently at the moment... No, I don't have time for it, I guess, to be even messing around with it. Actually, this is a slightly related thing. Um, somebody wrote an article recently, I'll see if I can get it up, uh, talking about people who, um, that the iPad as a general purpose computer is the is the current sort of generation's equivalent to Linux on the desktop. <laughs> So it's basically full of people who are sort of like utterly convinced that this kind of can work. But yet when you ask them, it's full of sort of awful hacks and, you know, things that uh, don't quite work. So it's like this kind of Atlantis of personal computing. Like, yeah, it's like it's, it's perfect as long as I just SSH into my server and do everything there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, it, which is fine, like, but that's, you know, we don't even need a desktop for that. That's 19-year-olds, you know, young people talk. The year of the dumb terminal. <laughs> yeah, so, like, this year will finally be the uh, year of iPad. Because clearly it's kind of possible. Like, if you could, uh, Dave, you have an iPad. Yeah. Um, Have you tried kind of sort of giving up your MacBook Air and spending any sort of time with uh, your iPad? Yeah, not my my iPad is due to be put out to pasture now, so it's not not something I'd attempt at this stage. And this is before the MacBook Air. This was around, I want to say two years ago. Um, and I didn't open my laptop for nearly three months. Why? And I just used my iPhone and my iPad. Why? Wow, so you you are a Linux on the desktop person? <sighs> no, because it just didn't do any work. <laughs> <laughs> like I have, I have a Windows PC at work um, that I used to do my work stuff on, and then I didn't want to bring work home, so I don't. And then it was just like using like Flipboard and reddit clients and email 
on the iPad and a bit of web browsing. And that was it. Like I didn't, you know, it wasn't my only desktop. It wasn't, you know, it was just uh, my at home computer for those few months. So I've tried a similar experiment to you. I'd say I went a month. Uh, I decided not to bring my laptop home. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's sort of iPad as evening computer or evening and weekend computer. Yeah. Um, and it, it definitely has something to um, recommend it from that because, like, I still think um, iPad is much more effective for consuming content rather than creating content. So, actually, and also you can kind of rest it on your lap. So, it certainly feels to your significant other that you're not quite behind the screen as much. Um, yeah. But uh, oh, I can't imagine even for like writing, trying to to do um, like serious writing work, like just, you know, writing blog posts or whatever solely on an iPad. Yeah. I'm, I'm even thinking of going the other way now with my next, with my next machine, whatever it has whatever it happens to be i'm thinking of getting a desktop or an iMac or whatever instead as my main machine yeah do it and keeping keeping my current macbook air because this this thing will keep running until you know i'll I'll get another five years out of this if i just use it for browsing the web and stuff like that and just have it in the room in the house and if i want to go to work if i want to work or if i want to do anything i have to be up there and there's no more kind of work seeping into the other living areas of the house or anything like that you know i'm just thinking um you're just thinking you can get a vr headset (laughs) 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 yeah just but just get a good decent um desktop setup leave it set up somewhere so that i have to go to there to actually do do stuff because to be honest there's very little of my non-work stuff that I could do or that I would need a, a computer to do like you know and there's there's something in that isn't there about having a fixed place to do computer stuff for for want of a better phrase and that like most uh, most people these days choose laptops because they're the most versatile um sort of computing device but actually working all the time from laptop has a disadvantage of you can work anywhere and i think for a variety of reasons being only able to work in one place is good for family life i think it's also good for even your work because you're it's that sense of being a bit more focused like when you're in front of your desktop you are doing work rather than kind of oh well i'm kind of working but i'm kind of checking reddit and i'm doing xyz Exactly. And like, I mean, most of the stuff that I would do on on a computer that isn't work, that would necessitate the full, a full Mac, for example, would be programming hobby stuff um, or video games. And that's that's about it. You know, um, everything else is essentially like consumption in in broad strokes, I suppose. Baz, what did you think? Yeah. Did you have a choice in work, Baz, to get a laptop or a desktop, or it was just a laptop? Yeah, no, it was a laptop, but I think it makes more sense anyway, especially with travel and stuff like that. Even though if you're going away to a different country, you can't bring your desktop with you. You need to be able to work, you need to be able to correspond with people. I totally want a 5K iMac, though. Yeah, I mean, 
that's definitely what you um that's definitely what you want in the future isn't it like you know wait you might as well wait out for the 5k Go oh sorry just... oh sorry you just want the the iMac is it i might get one very soon yeah the 5k iMac have you seen the screen on it oh, okay yeah it's pretty cool just as soon as i win the lotto oh uh, follow up from last week i tried pokemon go yesterday with my ma and my wife cool so it's good crack who's the biggest addict yeah how, 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 how far did you go or what did you do how long did you stay out uh so like only kind of 45 minutes so i got to level three so okay and did you meet any um, random strangers that were playing and have a good laugh at them? Yeah, so now I, I definitely, like, there are so many Pokemon Go players around Limerick. Like, I, I, now, noti- I now notice the kind of, the, I guess, the demeanor that people have when they're playing Pokemon <laughs> Go. Part of the disadvantage, though, is I am married to somebody hyper-competitive, so... Neither of us really knew what we were doing, but Sheila um, was sort of kind of whatever I did was intent on being better than me. So I think we put it away and said, you know. You haven't woken up to an empty bed yet during the middle of the night? Not yet. There was a sort of, oh, I'm just going to go down the garden to see if there are any Pokemon. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, so we'll see. I'm impressed. it's cool. It's you know, getting what? a lot of backlash at the moment because they're oh, nerfing things. They're changing stuff and they're removing stuff. People are demanding refunds because they remove stuff and okay. the company is obliging these people. Um, but, you know. Buzz, do you know anybody who has bought any, paid for any of that purchases? With no, Pokemon I was talking Go. to someone at the weekend and she was like, she's close to doing it and i believe at the moment like the why people are getting upset is they've changed it's now less easy to catch certain pokemon and therefore you're going to use your pure pokeballs and you know it's going to incentivize you basically to pay money to actually buy more pokeballs in the game so people are getting annoyed by that so you will probably see other people are going to get annoyed by this and stop playing or more people are going to start paying money for it but i haven't met anyone yet who actually has paid money i believe franchises and not franchises even but like pubs and stuff like that that are you know poker stops and stuff like that will buy lures and set lures to get customers in so that's where a lot of people are doing you know or spending their money what's a lure a lure basically is if you go to a Pokestop and you set up a lure that for 30 minutes, everyone that's in the vicinity that goes to the Pokestop, uh, there's a higher chance of catching Pokemon. Uh, so you can sit down at a location. You don't have to move between locations or move around as much. You can sit down and more Pokemon come to you. And it's it's kind of cool. Everyone, everyone can share in it no matter who's around. Yeah. See, see priests doing a mass and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> true <laughs> anyway typically i came at this kind of late um but we had a fun evening i i was expecting a lot more polish from the app i had to say there's lots of sort of waiting for animations and stuff yeah because it's, it's constantly boring. connecting to the server every action has to be you know reported back and stuff also i was kind of surprised the only way you can create an account was with a google account no i uh, oh, for you? App, yeah, that was the. That's all I got. 
I got um the option to make a Pokemon trainer account or something, so I went with that. Oh, I thought that was something different. Actually, See? I did have that option. I thought, oh, well, I don't want to be a trainer. I want to be a boss. Ah. So, but it's <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, because yeah, I didn't want to have to use my Google account. So, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> See, you're getting trapped by Google, even though there's ways around it. Do you guys play it with the AR on or off? Off. On. Off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to go finding it in public. I actually I haven't played it. Yeah, it's much harder. It's much easier to play if you just turn AR off. Like, there's none of the challenge. Yeah, you can. You, I don't know. Do you know, it just make, doesn't make any sense if you try the two of them. Why you'd use the AR yeah. thing other than the oh, that looks cool, and then turn That's it off. It. I think me and Sheila had it on that it, it made it a bit more fun when the two of us were doing it. Do you know what I mean? I suppose. Yeah, if you're just walking around yourself, staring at your phone. Yeah. Turning, twisting, turning around. Like and this is the thing. I noticed a load of couples around Limerick playing Pokemon Go. It's a like, cheap date. Yeah. I don't know how you transition the date to sort of like, you know, so I don't even know what the words to use, but like, how do you kind of say, we've been playing Pokemon Go for a while. I'd like to have some intimate contact. Like, how do we... I don't know how you do that. <laughs> hey, baby, want to see my Snorlax? Yeah. Anyway. Pokemon and chill. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Aren't you just lucky that all that problem, those problems are solved? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <sighs> Buzz. Huh. I don't know. I suppose I got a new gadget. Tell us. I got a... After, you know... After after avoiding signing up for Google for Pokemon Go, I signed up for Google with my Chromecast. <laughs> Ooh! So is this the video one or the audio one? Uh, the video one, yeah. The Chromecast okay. 2, the new, the newest one anyway. Um, so I've hooked it up to the TV, which is great, I think. Um, you know, so I have, have an extensive... Just to, yeah. Just to clarify, you are all Apple stuff in your house so you don't have any like android tablets or phones no you know yeah it's pretty pretty much pretty much yeah just all apple stuff or my ps4 so how are you using the chromecast so i guess a lot of times i'd watch youtube on my on my computer screen you know but like i got this kick-ass tv here and it gets neglected quite a lot. So now I can just cast my videos up to it and just be watching them. How? On, how? Um, oh, unfortunately, I, I have to go to either on my YouTube app on my phone or I have to use Chrome on my laptop um, because there's no plug-in for Safari. Or I don't okay. think so anyway. But anyway, yeah, basically now I have Chrome set up. The Chrome actually defaults homepage to my YouTube subscriptions. I'll click on a video and then just cast it. It's instantaneous, pretty much. Um, it's good, and I can do the same for Netflix off my phone or anything like that. Um, and I got it a lot for Spotify because I have my Sonos speaker, but you have to go into the Sonos app to, you know, do all that. And it's a bit, the Spotify app is a bit nicer anyway than that app. So I can use that then as well. So there's a. F- so Spotify finally added Google Chrome support or Google. Chromecast support. I didn't know at the time that it didn't have it. I always thought it did have it. I'm not sure. 
because I know like my buddy Mike, he's had the Google Chrome for a long time and just parties at his house. We'd all throw stuff up on Spotify. We just add stuff that way. Or maybe, maybe it was YouTube and I just don't remember. But um, yeah, definitely has Spotify now. I have to say Apple are a huge disappointment in this area, not only with the Apple TV, which doesn't work reliably, but also I'm pretty heavily invested in AirPlay, so I have an Airport Express in my kitchen. And lads, like it's just, it's the same way it was sort of four years ago, which is sort of not that reliable Still only, AirPlay is only a single zone unless you're playing off iTunes. Um, yeah, it's not good at all. Cool. So you, d- you definitely, yeah, <laughs> you made the right choice. I, I'm, you know, I'm going to play with a lot, a bit more obviously over the next few weeks, but just ease of getting it set up and being able to throw stuff in there because I, I did want, I, you know, I, I really hated that the, um, I have the Apple TV tree and I could never get stuff up on it, you know. Um, and I was considering the Apple TV force because I could AirPlay stuff, but I think this is the better option. It's a cheaper option and it's a better option. And I don't want apps on my TV anyway because I won't use them. So I'm happy with this so far. Cool. Yeah. And it was a birthday present. Oh, happy birthday, boss. <laughs> so I have to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, what do you got? Um, auto layout. That's God, it can't be something that makes you happy. It can, in fairness. No, I'd agree, it can. I'd agree with David's um, class. Totally can. What I'm most look Tell I'm me. in a legacy app at the moment that was written before storyboards, before auto layout, and it was like manually coded to support all the different sizes of iPhone and stuff, and all the every, My, everything is done in code. Um, some nib stuff, but. Basically, the auto layout amounts to me just going into every class and deleting hundreds of lines of code. And it's an amazing feeling. So that's specifically that's what's making me happy this week. Not necessarily auto layout, but just just getting rid of loads and loads of UI code. Dave, auto layout can't make you happy. It's stupid and it never works. (laughs) <laughs> and, and especially like this you know if you've model view controller that's fine you actually someone put thought into actually splitting out the the model the the view and the you know the view controller and all that but this app it's like they were like oh so model view controller dot h and dot m and you know there's no distinction between any anything 